0: Listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website www.worklifepsych.com Hello and welcome to episode 48 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Richard McKinnon. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Pilar Ortiz. Good morning, Pilar. How are you?
1: I am very well. I noticed a slight hesitation, uh, as usual, every episode <laughs> when she can make it. <laughs>
0: I wanna be accurate. <laughs> I more good. often than not, my co-host.
1: Yes, I think accuracy is a good thing to strive for in this podcast. Um yes, we I think we've got a an epidemic of lack of accuracy in a lot of what's being put out there. <laughs>
0: yeah and i am I'm, I'm trying i'm trying <laughs> um so we've we've got a, a, an interesting episode today um featuring an interview with Paul Smith and listeners might remember paul was on the podcast um, quite a few episodes ago um he's from uh, um wise amigo uh, the the platform he created which is all about tracking and planning for your personal development and um In episode 47, we talked about this notion of analog versus digital working, probably with a focus maybe on on, on productivity angles. You know, how do you get stuff done and what's helpful to you when you use these tools? I'd like to say thank you to all of the listeners who um, interacted with us on Twitter to share their thoughts on that. But Paul heard that episode and um, we discussed getting him on to talk a little bit about the same kind of perspective analog tools versus digital tools when it comes to your personal development, because it's a different use of those tools. So when uh, when Pilar and I have uh, covered our news and our updates, we'll then move on to that interview with Paul. So let's start with some news. Uh, the first thing for me is a reminder that we're getting very close to episode number 50, a big landmark for us. So once again, I'd just like to put out the request there. If you're uh, a listener for many episodes or just a few episodes, and you've found something that we've shared with you useful, we would love to hear about that. Maybe it was an idea, a concept, uh, a resource, something that we linked to, and you have found that useful in your working life. We'd love to hear how that has been the case. So you can just send us a message on Twitter, at uh, mypocketpsych or send us a longer message via the contact form on the website worklifepsych.com slash contact. And we'd love to share some of those messages when we record episode 50. And that's not too far Uh, away at all seeing as we're now on uh,
1: episode 48. And also looking forward to the next 50 episodes if you have uh, stuff any burning questions about the uh, psychology of the workplace or anything that you would like us to cover in the future or revisit maybe even Richard because you know once you get to 50 you can start to revisit some stuff. (laughs)
0: Well, you you know, you get new listeners, absolutely. Mm. And um, there are developments, you know, in the world. So absolutely, um, we've got plans to revisit a couple of the topics we've looked at before, maybe from a slightly different perspective, and involving other people. He said ominously. So watch out, watch out for what's coming down the pipe. But we'd love to hear from you. So just just get in touch. And of course, it's it's worth reiterating. We can share your points anonymously if you would prefer. So if you just want to make sure we hear about something, we can share that without revealing who you are. I mean, if you want to be known, we can we can do that too. So let's move on to uh, some productivity news. Um, I thought long and hard before <laughs> discussing this article, but I came down on the side of let's discuss it. Um, I'll give you the title first just to put it in, in context. This is uh, an article I spotted in The Guardian la- last month. Uh, the title is Self-Hypnosis, Amphetamines. I Tried Eight Hacks in My Quest to Become More Productive. Now, Pilar, what do you think I thought as soon as I read that headline? You said, no, (laughs) what is going on? (laughs) You know, we, we, we scan the news regularly to come up with ideas for what we think are useful resources we could share with people. But as frequently as I find useful things, actually, probably more frequently, I find things that I would never put in front of a client for example. And this is one of those. And I think, you know, it was definitely written tongue-in-cheek. But basically, the writer, um, Arua Madawi, um, took a week to experiment with productivity hacks or productivity tips and tricks and lists them and gives them a grade as she goes through them. And they rate in, you know, levels of common sense um, from engaging in virtual co-working to bring in a level of accountability, which she rated as, you know, a positive thing to do for someone who works freelancing, all the way through to microdosing with amphetamines. Um, You could probably hear that in my voice. Not a great idea. (laughs) And she herself says it's, you know, she's not trying to recommend it. I guess my main challenge with this is she just tried each of those things within one week. So uh, throwing a lot of stuff at the wall to see what works.
1: Yeah. And actually, I had such a strong reaction against it. I mean, like you, I saw the title and I went, okay, Richard, what are you doing (laughs) here? (laughs) Um, But I think it's a good reminder that this stuff is out there. And as you say, it's a bit of fun. Um, and yeah. I liked the, I like the verdict, like you said, she does warn against the amphetamines, but what, what, what always makes me be like, oh, is that there's a lot of research quoted. And I think as long as, as, as soon as you start quoting research, it really means that you're trying to validate, I think a lot of what you're saying. So even though, of course, it's great to see the research, but sometimes I'm thinking, oh, she's trying to really validate her, her, um, experiment. And, um, that, that made me a bit nervous. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and it got me thinking about how would you, as the typical person out there, look at something you found online like this and evaluate it. And I suppose the main thing I would emphasize is if someone is reviewing a method to achieve something, in this case, to be more productive, well... Ask yourself, how long did they do this for? Because could we reasonably expect to see someone gain some benefits in just one week? Everything we've spoken about on this podcast emphasizes the sort of hard work and effort that goes into making changes. So you're unlikely to find yourself to be a brand new productive person in just seven days. Uh, Similarly, you know, is there a sense that uh, a particular method or product or service is being pushed or maybe less uh, or more subtly than that. And, you know, has this person done anything, the writer, have they done anything beyond encountering one source of this recommended service product or or method? So, yeah, it's very tongue-in-cheek, but it reminded me that people can have a tendency to jump on uh, a new idea when they encounter it in the press because it's new, and it sounds good, but really probably hasn't gone through any rigorous evaluation, uh, and that's something that each of us could do a little bit more of—just question it a bit more.
1: My main problem with it um, is that also productivity is again being seen as a substi- as a word that means speed. There's mm. a lot of stuff here that I was thinking, actually, like for example, um, well, especially the the super speed your podcasts and audiobooks, like. It, it, it's, it, and then she says, I still prefer listening at normal speed, but this is definitely more efficient. Well, if your preference for <laughs> absorbing information is in one hand, why would you do it another way? Um, mm-hmm. Just because you think it's going to be faster. And I think maybe that's my main problem with the art. Well, one of the main problems with the article <laughs> is that w- productivity still being seen as getting the most stuff done in the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a very dangerous message to to be pushing
0: yeah and it's a real mix of things in here you Mm -hmm. know something that's you could experiment with to listen to different kinds of music to have accountability with someone at the end of a video conference uh technology but then there's self-hypnosis amphetamines and hot yoga you know (laughs) (laughs) so a bit of a mix and i i agree with you completely that um it depends what you mean by by productivity. And I think we would share a slightly different perspective on that to, to this writer.
1: I'd love to hear what listeners think, though, because, you know, we <laughs> we take this stuff very seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. It'd be interesting, the uh, uh, listeners, uh, just to think what you think of, of this specific article, actually.
0: Pilar, you shared a link with me about procrastination, um, and I really enjoyed this article.
1: Yeah, because I I thought of sharing it and then I thought, oh, I'm not sure. And then when you shared this one, I thought, okay, I want to offer this one as a slightly different uh, take on the same subject and a different approach to writing something that is still very it's not very deep etc but i thought actually i like what she's done um and this is from writershelpingwriters.net so it's really for writers but i think it's for any kind of person who has a long piece of deep work to do. And I really like that she looks at the reasons why we procrastinate. So the article is called Rightly Procrastination, Why It Happens and How to Break Free of It. So again, I really like her approach. It's okay, this is happening. Why could it be happening? And then, well, maybe these are some of the things that we could do. And they're definitely not hacks. Um, One of the things she says is um, make room for the uncomfortable feelings that writing can evoke. I think that's a very good long-term strategy rather than a hack.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I I really um, saw a lot of what we talk about in in this article, uh, especially um, one of the lines she says, uh, you'll notice... It's an avoidance of discomfort as a commonality for for reasons that people procrastinate. And that's something that we've touched on quite a few times. Uh, we might all procrastinate for different specific reasons, but the underlying factor there is we just don't want to experience a level of discomfort. Um, and I thought this was a really nice uh, summary of procrastination as a concept applied to writing but I identified with it and I'm not a writer Mm -hmm. writer but I know that there's times when I need to knuckle down and do something that requires my focus and my attention and I might be tempted to procrastinate about it and there's lots of these reasons resonate with me so I'd recommend it to anyone to have a look at you know whether you consider yourself a writer or not yeah In, in uh, well-being news, I want to r- return back to something that we spoke about, um, uh, I'll be vague, a few podcasts <laughs> ago, which was about um, when uh, we, we talked about this notion of information that we get uh, as part of technology that 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 gives us feedback data like uh, pedometers uh, you know health technology contributing to this concept of the, the quantified self and one of the critiques that we discussed around that was well it gives you data but what does the data mean and and what can you do with it how actionable is this and, and actually, um, uh, Apple have released the new version of their um, iOS, the, the software that's on iPads and iPhones. And I, one of the interesting updates to that, and it didn't get a huge amount of uh, focus as far as I could see, was um, an update to health metrics. And what I liked in that was when you look at your metrics now, it tells you which, which way the trend is going. So instead of just focusing on you've walked this many steps, it, it, it also indicates, well, your, your general trend for walking is going up, is staying stable or is going down. And that calls to attention something about your behavior and your habits. And it can bring you to focus on that particular metric and make some decisions about what you want to do. So it's not just your walking, but your stand and your exercise. Lots of useful trend data in there. And I think that's a positive addition. Again, it doesn't give you advice as to what to do, but it does interpret the data for you in a very easy to understand arrow up level or arrow down kind of way, which I thought was quite nice.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't have this, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm looking through the article and thinking uh, very clever also of them to suggest some apps that you might want to try, um, which which is good, of course, for the for the user and also for, for the app store. Um, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So you need, do you need an Apple Watch for this?
0: For some of these things you do. For mm-hmm. some of the aspects of Apple Health you, you do, such as um, fitness and movement. For other things, it's about tracking information that maybe you're linking another app to Apple Health. So maybe you're tracking your diet using something like MyFitnessPal and you're entering, you know, what you're eating and drinking. And that will then go into Apple Health and show you, well, look, this is the breakdown of the calories you're consuming by things like what kind of vitamins, uh, fat content, protein, that kind of thing, if, if it's of interest to you. Um, they've also included, which I thought was really fun, but this is a minority thing, I think. Uh, if you have a Bluetooth-connected yes. toothbrush, <laughs> you can track the amount of time you spend brushing your teeth. Now, you know, this it, it's interesting because it's just another thing that we do each day, but you're able to look back at this trend data and see, well, how much time am I spending on my tooth protein, which is an important health activity. We don't think of it mm. as being such, but I guess the dentist sat there would say it's in its supremely important health activity. Um, but what I thought was nice was this, this notion of oh, look, okay, over the last while, uh, you have been moving, getting exercise, you know, in this direction, you've been Logging specific exercises you've been standing and not remaining seated or or uh, sedentary um, and this is the amount of uh, distance you've covered in a given day and then over time what it shows you and I think that's that's the insight that was maybe missing uh, from this and and it does call attention to things that are that are dropping um, and it gives you some sort of very generic advice I guess we still have the problem that this isn't accessible to everybody. Um, you need to have the interest uh, in it in the first place to track this stuff. So if you have access to the technology and you have an interest, it may be something that you're doing anyway. Uh, but I just wanted to share it as something that I think the the developers are doing that's heading in the, in the right direction.
1: I'd like just to point out very quickly one thing I've seen here, which we don't usually talk about, and uh, it's noise monitoring and the mm. effect of noise on how we work and on our well-being. And I, I just wanted to flag that up uh, because we rarely talk about it. So I think that's very interesting for me that they've included that in as, um, as something part of the app.
0: It's it's really nice. Um, on the new Apple Watch, it will alert you if your environment is too noisy for um, healthy hearing. And it will buzz if you've said it that way. It it, it measures the, the decibels around you in your environment. And that, that's really quite useful, I think, um, depending on what kind of a job you have or where you find yourself. Um, I can imagine that going off on the London Underground on a regular basis. Yes. It's a really noisy environment. Uh, but, you know, in the workplace, it could be interesting for you to see now i've already had feedback on on my phone telling me about the average levels i've had my earphones over a week And it was really nice to see, okay, it's been at healthy levels over the last week. And that's something I'm going to keep an eye on because I have a tendency to turn up my earphones if the environment is noisy. And that's probably the last thing I should be doing if I want to be able to keep hearing over the long term. Um, But I guess a a key takeaway from all of this, and it's not just Apple doing it, it's lots of the um, developers are, are focusing on different aspects of health that we want to know more about so we can do something about it. And because more of these wearables... Whether they're ear pods or watches or anything else are gathering data, it can do really interesting things with the data. I think their challenge is to present that back to us in a way that is uh, understandable and allows us to take helpful action when it comes to our well-being. The uh, uh, final bit of news I wanted to share today is that the 7th to the 11th of October here in the UK is National Work-Life Week. And I'm going to share a link to the page all about this on workingfamilies.org.uk. It's their campaign once a year to remind people of the importance of, I guess, what what people generally refer to as work-life balance. Now, I I think that's great, but I also think it needs to get a focus every week Hmm. um, and not just one week in the year. But, you know, these days, these weeks that we have on our calendars now serve to, to remind us and they allow organisations to maybe bring focus and attention on this uh, this topic which is really really important for so many people who work the concept of work life balance as we've discussed before is very relative it's very subjective there is no one size fits all so what i would hope for for this this um work life week is that people reflect On what's working for them as an individual, what's not working for them, maybe have a think about what really matters to them in terms of their values when it comes to work and non-work activities and see what small changes they could make in the direction of those values and see what kind of a difference that that makes. I think the temptation is to sometimes look to make huge changes to achieve stability and a permanent solution to work-life balance when we all know that's not the case. It's probably more akin to navigating ongoing challenges in all the domains of our life. But during this week, have a think about what you could do that's a little bit different. And I know during the week, every year, they have a go home on time reminder, which is quite nice that, you know, is it time that you left your workplace? Are you staying late for no particular reason? Is this the day you could, you know, leave on time and see what that feels like and see what the benefit is like for you. And I think that's that's really quite a, a nice, simple thing for people to consider. And of course, if you feel you can't, that's interesting as well. Why is it that you can't leave on time? Yeah,
1: I like the Oh, we're going to move on. No, 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 go ahead. (laughs) No, I I like the raising awareness. Um, I've learned lots from you, Richard. So I dug a little bit deeper and I see that the the organization, are they calling this week? Because they've got lots of um, services to offer to help us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, one of their campaigns, they've got lots of um, resources for organizations to help them talk about this and address this topic, because I, I know for a lot of managers, this is, you know, from their perspective, a bit of a headache to deal with employees' uh, requests for flexibility when it comes to, um, you know, addressing the needs in their different life domains. But also sometimes in some environments, work-life balance is, you know, basically sneered at. Mm. It's, It's viewed as a sign of weakness or something that you just can't have in this job whatever that job is so I think they've got a tough job which is to talk about this to everybody at the same time so I think our role each of us is to think about well what does it mean to me and what small steps can I take in the direction of an improved navigation for me between these different challenges that are coming my way. So let's move on to to the main content uh, this week. Delighted to have had the opportunity to interview Paul Smith from Wise Amigo again. Um, We talked about this notion of analog tools and digital tools uh, in in episode 47, uh, one of our longer, if not longest episodes ever. So um, Paul and I had a chat about what that means for personal development. And bearing in mind, Paul created and promotes a platform for addressing your personal development needs that is digital. But at the same time, he's not uh, a digital zealot. He's not inflexible around that. And we looked at it from a few different perspectives. So I hope you'll you'll find that interesting. And uh, I'll include links back to Paul and his work and how you can get in touch with him in the show notes. But for this episode, episode number 48, uh, I think we've come to the end. So thank you very much for listening.
1: At Work Life Psych, we believe that coaching is for everyone and so we have created a cost-efficient, flexible and impactful solution we call Coach on Campus. This means coaching can be made available to more junior employees, emerging talent and technical specialists within the organisation without incurring the cost or commitment of executive coaching packages. A Work Life Psych coach is based on the client's site on a regular day each month with a schedule that is dedicated to that organisation. We'll facilitate six one-hour-long coaching sessions throughout the day. To find out more, visit worklifespsye.com/coach slash coachoncampus.
0: So I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Smith from Wise Amigo. Paul, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, um, Paul. You were on the podcast before, but for those of you who, uh, for those those listening who hadn't heard uh, that episode, maybe you could give us a brief introduction to you and what you do.
2: Sure. So I'm a, a psychologist. Uh, uh, Work psychologist, business psychologist, if you like, um, interested in the, the study of um, how we operate, uh, why we operate at work. But I think more recently, um, I've become founder uh, of a digital platform called Wise Amigo, and that is a place where people can take control of their personal development and put some structure around it.
0: So we're super interested in that because uh, what we do at Work Life Cycle is all about people development. And you and I have had lots of conversations about this whole area, yeah. but we haven't really touched on what we discussed in episode 47, this notion of analog versus digital. Um, on the back of listening to that, what are your own thoughts on people using analog or digital methods at work?
2: Yeah I really enjoyed um the conversation you had with PLR and I think it was it was good that you addressed the the notion that it's not either or or it's not a digital solution or an analog or paper an offline solution uh, in how people can can think about their development. Uh, I think that's key. It's it's not either or. Um you can do you can do both. You can um You know, brainstorm and generate ideas on on paper and then use uh, digital uh, means to record, reflect, track, monitor, all of those things that we do maybe a bit more frequently, but in less depth. So I'm a big fan of of both, of using both um, types uh, of recording and, and, and getting things out of your head, whether it's into an analog or a digital form.
0: I think that's a really key point. You know, it's, it's about getting stuff out of your head. And that, that helps us when we're looking to, I don't know, identify goals we want to work towards. It's useful if we've got something that's bothering us, that's on our mind, um, or even if we just want to track our progress or track our learning. You know, our, our minds aren't great at remembering all of the detail or keeping it fresh. So whether it is a notebook, whether it is an app, it, that process of getting it out can be, can be really helpful. And I think what you said there sort of mirrors my own journey on this. I, I think I, a few years ago, I would have been a very strong advocate of of paper. And you would have spotted me at events with a a very large filofax under my arm, which was my external brain. And then a few years ago, I became a bit of a digital zealot and abandoned paper. And, you know, I think now I'm in a happy place where I see both paper and digital approaches have their place. It very much depends on what you're trying to do. And you notice if you're trying to do the wrong thing with the wrong tool because it just feels difficult and then when you're you know taking the right approach with the right tool it it doesn't feel like work it feels like you're using the tool well yeah
2: exactly and I I always think about the the statement um you know let's take a blank sheet of paper you know Mm. if you want to if you want to really think about something from its inception um I think about when I was a a kid, and I used to draw sort of endlessly. Um, I wasn't so much into art as such, you know, but I used to love just getting ideas down on paper. Uh, and I still do the same thing today if I'm coming up with something from scratch and I want to approach it with a sense of freedom, um, you know, not be limited by whatever structure uh, might be in place in something digital. So it's pretty key for me. But on the other hand, um, like anybody else today, you know we're busy and commuting and we've got seconds or minutes here and there and i think when it comes to something like ideas or your development your learning and development you can have flashes of inspiration you can have thoughts that you think i've just got to get that down and and do something with it at a later point and then i'm not going to get my pad out you know i'm not going to get my a3 pad out and start sort of brainstorm and stuff <laughs> yeah i just want to get something down again out of my head um and that's where i think digital comes into its own and then the next thing is so what do you use and what's the structure giving you and how useful is it because unlike paper which has got no limitations i mean i don't even use lined paper i just use blank paper for everything um digital a lot more of a you know, it's, it's a landscape that needs to be navigated. You know, there's there's mm. good and bad uh, digital solutions out there. Um, it's just about understanding what you really want and then getting through all of the noise to get it.
0: I, absolutely. And I, I just have this image now of you um, on the central line with an easel and a massive A3 pad <laughs> trying to, you know, get things yeah. out of your head. But you're absolutely right. There's a context <laughs> where the best tool is the one that you have to hand, where you can use it quickly enough to get the idea out of your head, and you can do something with it later. Whether that's on your phone or in a pad, or you know whatever it is, um, I suppose when we look at this from the perspective of personal development activities, you know something I come across in my coaching practice is that people have maybe been thinking about something for a long time, but they've not written anything down so they've been trying to either solve this problem or reach this goal purely by thinking about it different ways and the power of sitting down with them and then writing something down i i'm a bit boring in, in that i keep going on about it. it's useful to write this down do you want to get a pen do you want to write it down yeah. but it makes yeah. a big difference it makes it it makes it real you're you're coming from uh, a slightly different perspective in, in advocating an app for personal development. What, what do you see as being the really uh, key benefits of having that digital approach to your own development? Yeah, and I would say that, wouldn't I, being a founder of an app company? <laughs> um, we're going we're, we're to pretend that you're really objective <laughs> about this. But I mean, I, I think it's fair to say you know a lot more about this perspective than I do. Um, and I think it's really useful to have maybe both sides of the coin explored. Yeah,
2: and don't get me wrong, I firmly agree that when it comes to thinking about your development and, and where you want to start, then you know the, the blank sheet of paper approach, you should still aim for that. Um, and we've put a lot of effort into trying to create a way to, to give people the freedom to think, um, all right, in a digital form, but it's, it's just as good to do that on paper. The thing that we think really helps in bringing development to life, making it a priority and, and sort of living and breathing it is the, the regularity in which you, you think about these things. And that's where I, I think a mobile solution, you know, something that's always in your pocket is the way to go. Um, because out of everything, you, your laptop, your A3 pad, your A4 pad, whatever it is, your, your desktop computer, you, your phone tends to be with you. Um, and therefore, when you have those flashes of inspiration or those, those quick thoughts, you think, ah, yeah, it's coming together. That's when you need to get it down. Um, and for me, I, I think the, the thing about development is that it happens over time, and it happens incrementally, and there's a lot of build-up along the way before you get to that point and think, ah, everything is now coming together, or you know, so-called sort of eureka moment, Where you 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 think I feel better about this aspect of my development, or you know this problem I'm having at work, or this issue in my career, and that's why getting something in uh, into a digital form every week or every other day or whatever can be so helpful. Because when you get to the end of three, six months, 12 months, you can see it all, all of these reflections you've made, all of these um, questions you've asked yourself, um, all of the kind of articles that you've, you know, you've read, the videos you've watched. It's it's all there in a nice portfolio that you might not have been able to get if you'd have been relying on yet. getting your easel out on the tube. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that that's that's what I think. And it, it really is about getting it out of the the back of your mind to the front of your mind and even better onto something that is, is tangible and you can look at it.
0: I think you make a really good point there, which is the the, the retrospective and to spot the patterns, to spot the change, any app that can play that back to you and illustrate the journey you've been on in an easy way is fantastic. Because if you could imagine, even if all of the ideas and thoughts had been captured in one notebook, which they rarely are, you then have the work to do to dig through all of that, to pull out the gems and spot your journey.
2: Exactly, and it's like looking through your photos from the past four years. Um, Before you do it, it's just a list of photos or a folder or whatever. I don't print them anymore. They're always just online. But um, when you go through them, you start to put a chronology on them and you can think back as to what you were doing at certain points in time. And because hopefully the things that we're thinking about are very important and precious to us, you know, we, we start to, our reflections, we, we encode them emotionally. We put feelings around them. When you start to look back on them, they all come together. And, um, it's, it's so much more powerful looking back on these things and thinking, yeah, that's where I was at that point in time, or that's how I was feeling or that's what I was facing, which you, you just can't do in the back of your mind because it's, uh, it's, um, contaminated with all sorts of other feelings and yeah. lost. You know, you need to you need to get it out in some kind of uh, folder or structure, file system, whatever it is, and, and that's where these things can help. Something a bit more
0: objective, something uh, more akin to evidence that you can revisit, um, what you felt exactly. like on day one of your new job versus what you felt like on day 30 or 90 or whatever, um, yeah. rather than trying to remember how you felt and obviously miss remembering that and I I suppose you've touched on something else there which I think is really interesting it depends on personal preferences but someone may um, really look forward to opening a new blank page but for many people staring at a blank piece of paper can be quite anxiety inducing because they're not sure what to do with it so uh, again I know from my own coaching practice that some people really take to the notion of have you got a form I could fill out because I'd prefer to answer questions than just empty my brain, you know, in in a way that doesn't really make sense to me. So again, if you're prompted by some kind of an app to answer specific questions, then that might be less of a task, less of hard work than sitting there with a pen and a blank page for some people.
2: I completely agree. Yeah. Some of us were just, we know um, more about what we want to to say, to write down, to think about, and and at other points, it's uh, it's less apparent or it's scary, um, mm-hmm. and then we can we can procrastinate over it. We can even push it away. Um, you could argue the same; uh, th- those two things are the same. Um, but everybody's different, and that's why I I think it's important to be having all of these tools, um, but be conscious of what each of them can give you. So know and when you know to use. Something offline, paper, um, and knowing the, the kinds of things that are available uh, digitally, and, and then intermixing those. If we're talking about broader development, with you know involving people and um, th- th- those sources of you know, great guidance and s- great soundboards around you, you know, just you've got to have a real variety of a um, uh, different sort of ports of call in, in which you can call on uh, through your development.
0: Mm. And so, uh, you know, apps, online resources can you know, open you up to lots of different uh, routes, different sources of information or or perspectives. Um, something that we, we spoke about very briefly offline before we started recording was a trend I've noticed, and I'm not sure it even counts as a trend, but I've been advertised to, let's put it this way, I've seen a lot of ads <laughs> for structured paper-based planners that are not diaries, but as such um, uh, a notebook that is organized to help you identify goals uh, for a year for a quarter um, and then habits across a week across each day so that you are in the same way being tasked with filling out a form to put it very basically but in a way that is more useful to you than the thoughts we might have such as i must get fit i really need to get a new job whereas this approach says well what is the goal? What are your passions? What are your values? Now, what are you going to do about that? Almost like, you know, a coach in a book. But again, um, that is going to be helpful to some people. Because doing that in isolation could be quite daunting. And it's only going to be as useful as the way you use it, how frequently you use it. And how, again, a big point, how honest you are with yourself when completing these kinds of things, Um, you know, ideally, no one else is going to look at this, it's for you, uh, which is a topic that comes up in coaching all the time when someone identifies goals. And I have to ask, is that your goal? Or is this your goal for me? Because it really needs to be your goal. Um, But I think, you know, again, some people may find a lot of benefit in picking up these kinds of planners and using them, using the prompts. Um, And then, just just as likely you know the tool you have with you the mobile phone in your pocket could be really really helpful if if nothing else than it's always available
2: yeah and there's, there's so many things that you said there that I'd, I'd want to uh, come back on so the first thing is about you know if you've got something that's analog like a, a booklet a calendar a, um something that you you regularly log your thoughts into um, yeah, definitely a great work for some people. Personally, I, I always want to edit stuff. Um, you know, just go over and change. And um, for for me, that's personally why I like a lot of the the digital stuff that's out there. Um, but also, I think what you said about whose whose goal is it um, is an interesting one because a lot of the a lot of the systems that are out there that people maybe, you know, tracking their goals on and putting their objectives in, they're they're often brought in by their employer. Mm. Um, And then you've got the whole sort of, um, they they can be really great, they can be empowering, they can bind a manager and um, her or his, you know, direct reports um, around their growth. But by the same uh, sort of token, they can be a bit scary in that people, they don't have full confidence of who's looking at that data or how it's being used, and therefore they're a bit skeptical about, you know, as, as you just said, putting in honestly their goals. Uh, it could be what they think they should be putting in. Um, I don't know. That might get them a you know a favourable uh, sort of um, I don't know, promotion or or be looked upon in the oh, right yeah. kind of way. So you've you've got all of that and. You mentioned being advertised, too. I think digital lately has taken a bit of a pounding because a lot of the free platforms or apps that are out there, um, should we say, haven't been completely upfront about how they're using data. Mm. Uh, and therefore, there's a bit of a backlash. So it's, it's incumbent upon those platforms to say what they're doing. Uh, with that data uh, so there's no surprises but people are becoming more savvy uh, to that um, and also I think that's part of the charm about doing things on paper uh, it's a bit like putting your money under your mattress you know there's, there's no there's no kind of fear but then you ask yourself well what are you missing out on by doing that uh, and what is uh, you know what's the what do you tend to lose by, by doing that? And I, and I think the same applies here. Maybe I'm stretching the analogy, but um, I, I think there's a there's a lot to digital, but people need help to identify what to use. Um, and if I give you an example, I think we talk to our users regularly and I'm always impressed with the um, the kind of level of vulnerability that they show in what they're working on. So we have people broadly just working on things like speaking up at work or saying no to, you know, someone who they feel they maybe can't say no to, and just generally building confidence, um, as well as a whole host of very particular skills like being more commercial, strategic and so on. But I haven't spoken to our users and, and, and getting up close and personal, I can say with some degree of confidence that these are the kind of things that people do not mention to their manager. Um, or certainly would feel apprehensive if they felt HR had a um, an understanding that these are the kind of things that they're working on. So that's just another part of the challenge. You know, if you sign up for an app, you sign up for a platform. Where's the data going? Um, who's going to see it? How's it going to be used? Um, mm. And that kind of thing.
0: I mean, that's that's good advice for life, full stop. But when we're talking about something as personal as your own development, your own goals and and anxieties and fears, you you really want to have a lot of confidence that that's going to be looked after and uh, not used against you in any way. It, It almost sounds like there's a parallel stream of activity there. People engaging in work, inherited goals, but also having their own development on the side.
2: I think so and we we ask our users um, you know before Wise Amigo where did you tend to go to find help and overwhelmingly people said Google they didn't say mm. their manager they, they didn't say the intranet or uh, the work intranet or HR um, that's a problem it's an opportunity for us of course but it's a problem because it suggests that people do see the two things as distinct it, uh,
0: yes and, and the sort of red flag that's waving in my mind at the moment is also the fact that just the people who haven't found you and have just trolled Google for advice could have landed on some very popular but terrible (laughs) advice, you know, Um, or or something that's just not helpful for their context where they work. And possibly the people um, responsible for learning and development or HR in their organizations might be banging their heads against the wall right now, you know, knowing they're missing out on people who could do with some development, but they're somehow beneath the radar.
2: I think, yeah, there's there's that there's a huge danger and, and an opportunity as well for leaders and people um, driving HR. So you've got individuals who are going out to Google searching for answers, and, and you know we've we've joked before about the the kind of articles that one might find, you know, six things to do before 5 a.m.
0: Um, <laughs> and
2: This is what the most successful people do to be successful. Mm. Um, you've got to get through all of that. And um, in our profession, um, like other professions, psychologists struggle to get evidence-based um, content uh, research out there. And it doesn't challenge the big players on Google, you know, the big media outlets and so on. So that that's a danger. And... I think there's there's an opportunity for HR leaders for for leaders of business to say, well, we want to help our people find good content, but we can't expect them to do it without Google. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. because they're they're you know they've been used to going to Google. Certainly, you know the the current new generation has sort of grown up with it. Um, but I think a lot of organizations will say, well, here's your resources that are on offer from the human resources department or your manager, and it's kind of often a closed loop. Um, it, it's just for that organization or it's um, – uh, talking about content, by the way, you know, articles, videos, podcasts, and, and so on. Um, but also, when you're entering your development, your thoughts, your reflections, it kind of it, – because it's very two-way, um, people – People see that kind of closed off you know, the, the organizational walls, if you like, for this content, and they think, well, I'm, I'm within uh, these walls, and I wonder how my data is going to be used. Whereas mm-hmm. if I go outside and um, I sign up with my Gmail account rather than my work email, then I'm completely you know, free of
0: that. There's, yeah. there's no worry of that. And, and I wonder you know when when people are looking at their own developments um, how much is their perspective of these are these are must-dos because it's my job and these are things that I'm passionate about that are about me they might help me in my in my role at work but i want to look after these areas slightly differently because they're about me. And, yeah. and if you, in, in, as my manager or HR professional, are telling me, here are some courses you could go on to get better at X, I don't want to hear get better. I want to hear growth, development, potential. You know, I, I, It's almost moving away from a remedial focus to, to you know, topping up skills to one that says unleash potential, here, that here's how to make the best of who you are, and and I know the you know, the bigger the organization, the more the tendency is to have uniform processes, uniform systems, um, you know, for fairness reasons. But that can also feel like going through a bit of a machine.
2: Yeah, and, and again, I think there's so many things within that. Um, if I could pull out one, I I think the the thing that individuals themselves recognize is that they they could be working for fifty years, you know, give or take more than that. And they could have twenty jobs, they could have multiple organizations, and they see the long term nature of their career. Um, Unfortunately that's not always the case within organizations who because the the way we we operate in in organizations we're we're short term, we're looking at quarterly results um, and often the systems that are in place might not be there within a year or two. Um, So there's that mindset and and that means that the advice on offer and I don't want to go off subject but it's usually short term and it can be more about painkillers, if I could use another analogy, whereby you're the advice you get is about it's remedies for perceived problems rather than things like a healthy diet and vitamins which is about real long-term mm-hmm. shifts and mindset um, you know and anecdotally we've all heard about you know the, the great managers that people report and they say "Oh, they, they really help me think about my career not just my job and my performance um, but they're hard to find, you know, and they're so busy that it's 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 really incumbent on the individual themselves to 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 drive all of that. But they need a lot of help from their organisations through their their systems, their processes, and so on. And unfortunately, it's it's rare to see organisational um, mindset stre- mindset stretch anywhere as long into the future as the individual's mindset.
0: That's a really interesting perspective. Yeah, because if you if you view yourself as a mobile professional, as in I'm here for two to three years, that's that's a snapshot of your career. That's but that's the bit that the organization will see. And if their focus is on solving problems, that's the lens through which they will look at your development, which is not the same. As yours. Look, look at where we got to when talking about pen and paper, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know.
2: Let's go, let's go back on the topic then. (laughs) But,
0: but I think, I think it's, that's, that's quite a fundamental part of this, isn't it? Why, why would you look at your own personal development and what is the, you know, what would be the need to not follow organizational recommendations and processes when they're there? Well, that's the organization's perspective, and we yeah. each have our own perspective on what, how we want to develop, what we want to focus on. And, and of course, you alluded to it earlier, but if I want to develop skills that are of no relevance to the job I have right now but will help me get my next job, then that's something I want to focus on and maybe keep to myself and not advertise the fact that I'm working to get that next job that's in a different business.
2: Yeah, and I think, what if I could summarise then, the reason why this is important for the digital-analog debate is because if you do the strategic bit first, as in you think about your career long term and you think about the skills you'll need in future and the vitamins rather than painkillers approach, and you can get your organisation to think in the same way, then that's much more healthier. And you can still have the the analog um, stages, you know, the, the, the big sort of blue sky thinking on piece of paper, um, you know, that you might do every um, significant point you know, at, it, within the year but then you can also have the digital support that's there every day for when you have those flashes of brilliance or inspiration. I think my point with um, what I'm seeing in the difference between individuals and organizations is that individuals are more aligned to that kind of perspective, and that's why they go to Google, mm. than necessarily organizations where the drivers might be more um, around, okay, what, what systems have we bought in to equip our individuals that are tangible, are there, and we can say are ours. Um, and, and I think individuals see beyond those organizational walls very quickly um, and in some cases reject it just because they're more strategic. Uh, I think organizations can do so much more to align themselves to their individual employees' well view if they start to think in their shoes and empathize with them mm. um, one one thing that really brought that to life for me when I joined a previous company I had a series of onboarding sessions on like sort of day one two or three or whatever and I remember our CEO said to me and a, and a group of others he said we're glad that you're here to spend some time with us and he it really stuck in my mind he was saying you know you're not going to be here for for ages and and this is the psychological contract you know you're here for a while make the most of it use us almost in in terms of to build your career whereas in this on the same day in a separate session um another person said you know this is this is kind of um where you can you can almost see a kind of job for life and it, it was really contradictory in in terms of what was being said but i know um I was very clear on which one um, stuck with me.
0: That's really, really interesting. I, I think the the good news is if anyone listening is in, interested in, you know, development of self, there are many options, you know, out there, whether they be digital or analog. I guess the key things that we've flagged in our brief discussion have been the importance of planning ahead, of getting ideas and thoughts out of your mind and, and onto a page or into an app where you can do something with that, the benefits of tracking your development over time so you can notice that where you may not see it in yourself day to day um, and and to have that continual focus and not fall into the trap of, I suppose, the New Year's resolution syndrome, big plans at the start of the year and then nothing happens as as a result of that. A- any other thoughts to drop in on that, that regardless of the tool you use, what's really key in development?
2: Yeah, I think um, beyond the things that we know can help people develop in, in different ways, and there's no right or wrong way to develop, but if we think about reflection and getting feedback and planning and setting goals, all very useful things. I think the other thing is to strengthen your connections with the people who are going to be important for your development um and there's a chance as well to to do that in a very long-term way so i can think about how up close and you know in and personal people are when you're there and you're working next to them but how do you maintain the connection with those people beyond that role beyond that organization um and it might be every you know couple of years you you've you find them on LinkedIn and say, oh, "Let's have a coffee." But it, it's it should be much more than that. It should be about trying to think about how you can um, stay very close to these people and ask them routinely about your development and bounce ideas around and really, you know, pick their brains about the things that they can really help you with. Um, I, and I just think that because we're all so transient between different jobs, different organizations, and you know, moving from full-time to freelance employment to starting our own things up, and all of that. I think that's the potential for that is very... We can lose the connections, um, and before we know it, we've, we've lost the opportunity to get really good developmental insight from people. Um, and I just think we can all be a bit better at doing that. Mm. Um, and, and just one of the ways of doing that is if your development is at the forefront of your mind and every week or every month you're thinking about how am I doing, what am I learning, what feedback have I got, then you can always be thinking about how you can cultivate your network and go back to people and say, um, can I just ask your advice? Can, I just, can you introduce me to someone who might be able to help me with this? Um, I think I've learned so much by going back to the people that I used to work with about challenges that i never had with them.
0: That's really, really interesting. It's it's the bit to remember where we could be head down in an app or a notebook that actually development is so much about the people we work with or have worked with. Um, And in addition, those people could give us fantastic feedback that maybe an app or a notebook will not provide us.
2: Yeah, and on the feedback point, I think it's so important to have the one-to-one conversation and to ask people, uh, you know, how they felt about working with you um, and very explicit questions, you know, what would they recommend about you and what wouldn't they mm-hmm. and and so on. You know, if they had to describe you to somebody else in a few sentences, what would they say? But I, I would caution against going out for, you know, rounds and rounds of 360-degree feedback in an organization because I think, that path is a bit more treacherous. Um, the information that we get back is not always as reliable as we might think it would be.
0: Yeah. And, and it can be hard work to. And you're within a system and there are politics exactly. and all of those things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Keep it simple. Keep it quick.
0: Paul, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to to speak with you again. Now, Dan- We'll have you on the podcast again. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to share your contact details um, in the show notes. So if people want to find out more about you or ask you questions directly, they'll be able to do that. If you've enjoyed listening to this and um, you want to know more about it, or you've got questions, you can send them into us uh, via Twitter at my pocket psych, or send us a longer message or a longer question via the contact form. And you can find that at work slash contact. But for now, thanks very much, Paul. Thanks
2: for having me on, Richard.
0: Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com slash contact. Thanks for listening.